Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We concluded our time together last week talking about the first two of what Dr. Harley calls the enemies of intimate conversation. Those were making demands and being disrespectful. As damaging as they are to intimate conversation, demands and respect can be innocent. Spouses don't necessarily want to hurt each other when they engage those enemies. It just sort of turns out that way. Let's look at enemy number three of intimate conversation, expressing anger. Dr. Harley says that expressions of anger are always intended to be hurtful. He goes on to say that when spouses are angry with each other, They should say absolutely nothing until they've had a chance to cool off because whatever they say will be abusive and insane. This goes along with Dr. Gottman's description of flooding, when you feel emotionally and physically overwhelmed by the situation. Your pulse rate rises, usually to over 100 beats per minute, and your body releases stress hormones including adrenaline and cortisol. Other physiological changes also take place. Your brain takes this as a sign that you are in danger and that it is a flight or fight time. It's definitely not the time to try and have a rational discussion. As we've said many times before, the number one rule of communication is that until the emotions of the situation are dealt with, the facts don't matter. Anger outbursts directed at your spouse are especially destructive in marriage. Your marriage should be a relationship of mutual protection and care. But anger turns you into your spouse's biggest threat. According to Dr. Harley, whatever you might think of saying to your spouse when you're angry is better left unsaid. If you ever get a chance to see a video recording of one of your angry outbursts, you'll definitely agree. Enemy number four, dwelling on mistakes, past or present. Mistakes are common in life and they're especially common in marriage. Whenever we fail to take an opportunity to make our spouse happy, or if we do something to make our spouse unhappy, we've made a mistake. But mistakes may be difficult to prove. What one person calls a mistake might seem correct or at least justifiable from another's perspective. It is all too common for spouses to dwell on each other's mistakes and argue about who's to blame for their problems. When you dwell on each other's mistakes, you drive each other away emotionally, if not physically. There's nothing wrong with expressing the fact that your spouse did something that offended you. The real enemy is dwelling on the mistake. If you keep bringing it up, repeating it again and again, it will destroy intimate conversation. Caring partners converse in a caring way. We've looked now at Dr. Harley's four enemies of intimate conversation. Now let's look at what he calls the four friends of intimate conversation. His friend number one is conversing to inform, investigate, and understand. One of the most valuable uses of marital conversation is to create emotional closeness. Nothing does that better than talking about each other in positive and encouraging ways. The more you learn about each other and use that information to support each other, the more intimate your conversation becomes. Dr. Gottman refers to this as developing a highly detailed love map. 
his term for that part of your brain where you store all the relevant information about your partner's life. If you have a defensive relationship where your conversation tends to be critical instead of supportive, you may deliberately give each other misinformation. You may discourage investigation. You may be afraid to be understood by your spouse. These common weaknesses lead to a serious and often disastrous failure to adjust to each other's needs. If you want a satisfying marriage, Dr. Harley says, you must use your conversation to inform, investigate, and understand each other. Sounds like mutual understanding to me. Inform each other of your personal feelings, interests, and activities. Answer every question honestly and respectfully. Provide information that your spouse wouldn't think to ask for. Keep calendars of your activities for the day and plan for your future and share them with each other. Tell your spouse your cell phone, social network, and email passwords. Dr. Harley says be completely transparent with each other. Don't keep any secrets. Investigate each other's personal feelings, interests, and activities without being demanding, disrespectful, or angry when you hear something that you feel should be changed. If you criticize or ridicule your spouse when he or she reveals personal information, it will be more difficult to express it in the future. Instead, encourage each other to be open and vulnerable by being respectful and sensitive. Understand each other's personal feelings, interests, and activities. What makes your spouse happy and sad, and why does it have that effect? Learn about each other's hot and cold buttons so you can bring out the best in each other and avoid the worst. One of the most important ways for you to care in marriage is to respond to that understanding with changes in your behavior that promote pleasure and avoid pain for each other. All three of these components to friend number one lead to mutual understanding. Dr. Harley's discussion of these leads me back to the creation story when the Genesis account says that Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. We know from Genesis 3 that this referred to physical nakedness. However, as I've said before, I think there's another implication here. Remember, sin had not yet entered the world. Everything was perfect. And Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed emotionally. They could tell each other anything, hopes, dreams, desires, wants and needs, and not be afraid that they would be misunderstood or that their motives would be questioned. That was God's original design and intent. And then sin entered the world, and Adam and Eve immediately became selfish and self-centered, blaming each other and God for the debacle of eating from the tree of good and evil. And that's what we've inherited, selfishness and self-centeredness. Our natural tendency is not to inform, investigate, and understand. That's why we have to work at it and why we're not naturally very good at it. Well, friend number two, developing interest in each other's favorite topics of conversation. Have you ever noticed that even the most introverted people may become talkative when you discuss certain subjects? Some of you ladies may have noticed that your quiet husband comes out of his shell when he's out with a few good male friends. Want to stimulate and encourage your partner to engage in conversation? Let me encourage you to learn about each other's favorite topics of conversation, even if some are not mutually interesting at first. Then talk to them about one of their favorite topics. 
It's interesting that the more you learn about something, the more curious you become. Friend number three, balancing the conversation. Dr. Harley says that balance is the first rule of etiquette for intimate conversation. Much has been written about being a good listener, but being a good talker is just as important. That's why Dr. Harley's first friend of intimate conversation was informing and investigating. You give and receive information. Unless conversation is balanced in this way, it is not intimate conversation. Some spouses ruin balance with the habit of interrupting. Before the other spouse can finish a thought, they break in with one of their own. Not only is this habit bad conversational etiquette, but it prevents those who are somewhat introverted from remembering where their thought was taking them. Interruptions can put an end to an otherwise enjoyable conversation. Those who monopolize conversation create an unwanted habit in their spouse's silence. Therefore, if you want good conversation, be sensitive to each other's right to have the floor. It may take your spouse two or three seconds to begin a sentence, but allow whatever time is necessary. Also, remember to wait until your spouse completes a thought before commenting on it. Friend number four, giving each other undivided attention. One of the quickest ways for a husband to infuriate his wife is to carry on a conversation with her while watching football. She becomes upset because he's not paying any attention to what she is saying. He's more interested in the football game. She's offended because he has broken the second rule of etiquette required for intimate conversation, undivided attention. Part of the reason undivided attention is lacking in the conversation of so many couples is that the other friends of intimate conversation are missing. They are not talking about each other or about topics of mutual interest, and the conversation is not balanced. Only the wife is doing the talking. But that said, undivided attention will probably require practice, especially for men. This is because, in general, women are multitaskers and men are single-taskers. A man will have to stop doing what he's doing in order to give his wife undivided attention. Guys, that means stopping what you're doing, turning towards your wife and making eye contact while she is talking so she can see you're listening, and continued eye contact when you're responding. This is a crucial area that needs mutual understanding. Ladies, you need to realize that your husband, if he's a typical man, only does one thing at a time. Instead of assuming that he's listening or getting upset because he seems to be ignoring you, it might be best to just ask, is this a good time to talk before you begin? And if he's watching a football game, halftime might be a better time for you to ask the question. And guys, don't just nod your head and grunt while you continue to do whatever it is you're doing. She knows you're not listening and that she doesn't have your undivided attention. How do you compensate for careers that require overnight travel? Today this happens to both men and women. First, remember that overnight travel makes it difficult to remain emotionally bonded. And when both spouses travel regularly, it becomes twice as hard. Fortunately, we have more and better ways to communicate today. Phone calls, texting, and FaceTiming are just to name a few. But even if a husband calls home every night, 
When he returns, it's quite common for his wife to need a day or two to reestablish the routine and bonding she had before he left. Well, our time's gotten away for us for today. We'll begin next week's broadcast with some additional thoughts on this subject and also some conversation tips for husbands and wives. Have a great weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.